Bonus Episode 3, Empty Your Cup. Welcome to Living the Tao, a spiritual podcast that explores how ancient wisdom, a practical perspective, and deep truth can empower you to live your best life. In this episode, Taoist master Michael Steenrod reveals that social mind is a collection of faulty rationales that are filling your cup with feeling bad and that meditation can create a pathway out of the spiritual nursery. Hey everyone, why don't we start up and we'll address an old uh, anecdote from Zen. Uh, and that is of the person walking into to study from the old Zen master uh, and the Zen master uh, continuing to fill the cup until the, pers- the, the potential student panics and then uh, the Zen master telling him, well you see your problem is, is that your cup is already full. Uh, the, so let's address that in uh, non-anecdotal ways. If we are able to move the brain into a position uh, where, let's imagine that you have a fabric. It's a smooth black fabric and this is the fabric of your mind. When your mind is unattached, the fabric remains smooth and can easily respond to the environment and can easily also move within itself. It is also just as possible to have knots tied into the fabric or bunches within the fabric. And those things restrict the flow of that fabric, restrict its ability to move around. So you can no longer shift it this way or you can't move it that way. And the reason for it is is if you tie knots into anything, your shirt for example, you can no longer easily shape it and it can no longer easily be a shirt. It has knots in it. So its function as a shirt is compromised. When we calm our minds, and this is the big reason for calm, we take the knots out of our mind and allow the mind to move fluidly and easily. Uh, And so if and again, uh, as we've talked about calm, we've talked about uh, the prone being a major portion of that. And uh, I'm working towards being able to teach more people prone. Uh, but uh, uh, certainly the, the meditation is a major and easy way of learning to do that. However, you still have to apply it. Uh, meaning that as studying calm teaches you calm, you have to make a choice to actually be calm. You have to sit back and realize that calm is an opportunity and a strength, a way of solving problems instead of a way of being inactive. Because much of what we deal with when we deal with action is we deal with illusions of action. Uh, And so, for example, we worry because at the very base of you, you believe somehow worry is going to solve the problem. Uh, you sit back and, and go, well, you know, if I worry about this, this course of events will change. Uh, if I worry about this, I will come up with a new solution that I did not consider before. Uh, if I worry about this, uh, magic fairies will come by and solve my problem because I'm sitting back and telling the universe that this problem needs solving. Well, actually, the only thing you're telling the universe is that uh, you like worrying about things, uh, which sends out a very potent message in and of itself. Uh, 
but behind that, behind the thought of worry, and I'm just picking on worry because it's an easy thing to pick on, uh, is the underlying thought that it's an effective action. Behind the problem with being calm is the underlying thought that it is an ineffective action. That in fact nothing can be accomplished by being calm. Uh, so if if you're sitting here and you have the Wachamajig machine sitting over here, and in fact the Wachamajig machine can solve all sorts of problems just by pressing a little black button. You press it and those problems magically go away. You have to have sufficient belief that the Wachamajig is at least worth testing to press that button. Instead of sitting back with your tried and true standard of, I'm going to be immensely worried and attempt to solve the problem with the sheer force of my worried qualities. Uh, and that's really the underlying series of thoughts that go into that process. Now on the other hand, all you have to do is press the button. Uh, you need enough belief to actually just go and see it be solved. And then you have to believe it again once it's been solved. And you have to sit back and say, oh that wasn't magic. Every time I press the button, this thing will occur. And in fact, calm or the deep calm is exactly that reliable. Uh, it's not an exaggeration. It does the same things consistently over and over again. But it must compete against behaviors that are ground in. It must compete against the behavior of guilt, for example. Oh, if I feel really guilty about this, something good will happen. And that's really the underlying thought about guilt. Uh, if you're sitting there guilty about something, what? It, it somehow resolves the issue that you're feeling guilty about. That's the magic of guilt. It's a habit that, at, at a very basic level, you believe is a solution. Uh, so it's like, uh, let's say you're conditioned by a, by a pack of Cheetos, uh, that uh, every time there's a fire, if you open up and eat a pack of Cheetos, the fire will disappear. It doesn't matter that it doesn't actually work. All that matters is that it is conditioned and you, some portion of your belief is built around the thought that this must work. Uh, and in fact, the solution is if the fire doesn't go out, you eat even more Cheetos. Uh, and so it's like, well, one bag didn't work, it must be a four bag uh, fire, so you eat four bags of Cheetos and they attempt to solve it. Now, whether or not there's a huge amount of, of formal thought, I think the formal thought will accompany the habit. And I think that based on years of mind, or working people through the mind training, meaning that if you have the conditioned response of thinking that Cheetos solve fire, you will have thoughts that justify the conditioned response. Uh, and if you really, really sit down and boil down the basic argument, the basic argument becomes, this is an effective way of solving this problem uh, and I will pursue it because it is an effective way of solving this problem. Now, do you have that actual thought of this is an effective way of solving this problem? No. But if you look at the logic that's behind it, that is the logic. And we are, strangely enough, you are largely capable of countering even the conditioned response by realizing the logic that's behind it. So we can overcome that conditioned response by sitting back and knowing, well, you know, so you're in the middle of worry. And you sit back and then the other portion of your brain kicks in and you go, the problem with this is that I really actually do believe that this will solve the problem. Uh, I really do believe that by sitting here feeling bad, somehow this will transform this problem over here. Uh, and that gives you a hook that you can sit there and start controlling that behavior and start going, 
this is not actually the solution that I want. A large part of social mind is a collective of uh, rationales and conditioned responses that don't produce results, uh, but have the justification that they in fact do produce results. Uh, and that's actually why they're so damaging. Because so while you pursue those things that are told to you, uh, and there are uh, cultural penalties for not doing that, social mind is far more pervasive than this. When you really start to study it and uh, struggle against it, uh, but this is like, that's not, it's not the whole body of social mind, it's like up to the eyeballs of social mind or something like that. So from here down. Uh, when you start to study that, you begin to realize, well, it's conditioned slavery. I, I am required to engage in these behaviors so that I can get these responses from these other humans, even though these behaviors are in fact going to move me away from the actual solution that I want. Uh, and that's why people that are actually very successful in whatever they do, in any of the big three, almost always rub people the wrong way. There's no way around it. It's because they want a, a set of behaviors that's this, and the other people are just doing what works. Uh, and so you sit there and go, well, you know, the reason that I do this is that it actually works. Uh, and that can be very strange to people. And I can tell you many years of, of being the strange person, uh, from a small child on up through, uh, what really freaked people out was that I actually succeeded at the things I was setting out to do. Uh, and so it'd be a matter of like, oh, you should feel blah, 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 blah. But I just finished all of it. What do you mean? It's all completely done. But, and it's successful. <laughs> but you're nine. That's your problem. Uh, and that was really my response at the time. And, uh, and that could partly be because uh, I was an ass. Uh, I didn't really care <laughs> what the response was. And so it was really a matter of, uh, well, you know, you can continue to believe that little fairies are going to carry the basketball, but uh, uh, I have no such burden. Uh, and uh, I'll just do this thing over here that actually is functional. Uh, but uh, uh, there's, there's no doubt about that. And what we can do is we can sit back and those little knots that are within the fabric, uh, we put them there, and that's something to always remember. Uh, some knots are unavoidable because there will come times when you want to tie the fabric into a shape. But if you're sitting back there and you find that your thinking is restricted, that you can't conceive of this or that there, sit back and ask yourself, well, what are the things? What are, where is my mind knotted? Where can I not move around because I've tied myself to the wall and the floor and the chair? Uh, now. Is it good that you did that? Well, not if you're trying to walk out the door. Uh, if you're trying to walk out the door and you tie yourself in each time, then you sit back, well, I can't get out. Where does your presence of mind in? Your presence of mind comes in and you start asking yourself, I can't move around because i am bound myself with these thoughts here. I've occupied myself with the thought that I need to feel this way. I need to execute these things over here. I need to feel guilty about this. I need to do these things over here. What if you just cast that all entirely aside? Uh, what would happen? One, your mind would become, once again, smooth cloth. You would not have the attachments. And that's basically what an attachment is. It's a knot within the cloth of the mind. Uh, and again, there are times when you must shape the cloth in order to accomplish something. But then you can unshape it. 
Uh, and a lot of times, if you're sitting back, for example, and your brain is caught up in the thought of, oh, I need to be concerned about sweeping the floor, or I need to be concerned about sending out this, or I need to be concerned about doing that, behind all those concerns is the thought that somehow being constantly concerned about those things is going to resolve the problem. And what you have to do really in addressing that in order to get yourself so that you want to get rid of the habit. And that's the big thing. You have to actually want to be free of those habits. Just like if you use calm, you have to actually want to be calm. Uh, that's a, a huge factor. That's more important than the meditation. I've taught meditation to a lot of people, actually probably hundreds of people. Uh, but the people that are successful at it are the people that actually want the product that comes from it. So they sit back and go, oh, I want this, and I value it. Uh, and that allows you to actually use the tool. It's like having a screwdriver. Oh, so uh, your dad gives you a screwdriver. You have absolutely no application or use for your screwdriver. It just sits there. It's the best screwdriver in the world. But you don't have a desire to be involved with using a screwdriver at all. Is that going to accomplish anything for you? No. You have to come to the thought or desire of using a screwdriver in order for the screwdriver to be useful. And the same thing occurs with meditation. Uh, for meditation to be useful, you have to come to the thought that this is in fact a way of addressing problems and improving my life. If you do it long enough, it becomes obvious that it is. One way of doing that is simply to stick yourself in a temple where you've got no choice but to meditate and eat uh, and then clean stuff. Uh, and so after a while, right, after a while you just sit there and it's like, well, you know, there's nothing else to do. Guess I'll go meditate. And then the effects build up and you start going, ah, this meditation, it's quite valuable. It would be roughly like being stuck in a prison chain gang where, well, probably the screwdriver wouldn't be the best. But your object was to do maintenance with the screwdriver. You never had any uh, choice to do it or desire to do it before, but now you have no choice but to use it. So as the years wind on, the screwdriver becomes an increasingly useful tool. It's good for shanking people. Uh, it's good for fixing machines. Uh, all those good things. I'm not sure if that's a great parallel to meditation. <laughs> but uh, that, that's basically how it works. So to discard habits, you have to have a willingness and a desire to discard the habit. And where we get that from is sitting back and realizing that the habit is not good. Uh, we can sit back and start going, you know, the big problem with this is that I actually have a sincere belief that somehow being riddled with fear is going to make me do this better. Uh, and, or if I weren't, if I didn't have the fear, I wouldn't perform. Uh, and so for a lot of people that have anxiety, if it hasn't become an automated chi response, uh, their big thing is, is that they you very quite sincerely believe that without it, you wouldn't do anything. You wouldn't be capable of acting. Uh, and until you sit back and accept that you would act without the fear, you will not be free of the fear. Not because it's going to be magic in its solution. You're not going to be willing to let go of the habit until you sit back and realize the underlying thought to it, which is the only way around this is for me to be afraid of it. When I'm afraid of it, I will find a solution to it. Well, has that actually happened at any time? Really? Does worry actually solve a problem? Does fear cause you to create new solutions? Uh, now, fear may cause you to do something specific. That's the, probably the big thing about dealing with fear, is that 
for little short periods of time, it can rally resources, and you will engage in actions. But that's a, a pretty big enslavement for a very minor gain uh, when there are vastly superior tools available to you. Now, I personally don't know what those restrictions are going to be in your cloth. I don't know what those knots are. Uh, my ability to directly aid you with untying those knots as the years have passed, I've realized is extremely small. Uh, the person, you as individuals, have to sit back and be willing to examine your own cloth and realize if you're facing an event, you, you spot the behavior that's knotting the cloth and you examine it and you go, the problem with this is, is that I actually believe feeling bad in this situation is going to make me thinner. Uh, <laughs> is going to make me taller. Uh, and that's really the rationale behind it. It's okay for me to be this way as long as I feel bad about it because somehow that will solve the problem of that particular thing. And so the willingness to address that issue gives you a way out of the behavior that you don't like. Uh, so you sit back and go, my cloth is knotted. So how do you get rid of a knot in your cloth? You just don't knot it. I mean, it sounds uh, simplistic, but there really is no procedure. Just realizing it and telling yourself, I don't want to maintain my mind in that spot will allow you to release it because you're the person who tied the knot there in the first place. If you really want it untied, you can in fact untie it. There's nobody else with magic tweezers that can reach into your head and tie those knots. It may seem like it periodically. And that's why I say when, when it comes to untying knots, my ability to help somebody is unlimited. I don't have magic tweezers. Uh, I don't have the ability to go, uh, 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 uh. if I did, it would only unknot for a short period of time. Uh, and then you'll put it back because you actually believe that it works. Uh, and that's always the thing to remember. If you have a habit there, it's because you believe in it. Uh, you really do. You have a series of behaviors or of underlying things or you just grasp onto that conditioned response and are going, this is the solution. I just have to do more of it. I have to eat more Cheetos and this fire will go out. I just have to. Uh, and you'll be very diligent in your consumption of Cheetos. Uh, and then probably at the end you'll blame yourself for having not eaten enough Cheetos uh, because the fire never went out or it will finally go out because all the fuel has been burnt off of it. And then you get to take credit for the Cheetos working correctly. Uh, and so those are all dangerous positions to be in, but <clears throat> there are also quite clearly things that are not going to lead you uh, down a path of enlightenment. Uh, and the reason for that is it's a competition of behaviors. Uh, sometimes uh, you can have great insight and that insight will allow you to release a whole chunk of conditioned behaviors. You'll sit back and go, oh, I, oh man, I just realized that I'm doing blah, 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 blah. The day you have that realization is the day you never do it again. Don't count on it. I mean, most of the time you're going to have to do the work. And when you have that insight, usually a lot of work came before it anyways. Uh, so you sat there struggling with it. You sat there thinking about it. You went through the process of learning to accept. Believe it or not, acceptance will release those knots from your, your cloth anyways. It's the reason it's there. Just like the learning the pathways of invocation will release huge amounts of knots. As soon as the cloth starts to become flat, you will start to gain greater and greater insight into the course of events. Because that really seems to be the key. Uh, flat cloth means more insight. 
I hate to see what that statement becomes in a few hundred years should it be around. So now we iron every day. Start ironing, my son. I'm just getting hot. Iron more. And eat Cheetos. Hello, this is Master Michael Steenrod with Living the Tao. I wanted to thank you for signing up for our monthly episode. I hope that it aids you on the path to spiritual freedom or just living each day a little bit better and happier. If you are so moved, I wanted to encourage you to sign up for our premium program. The big difference between it and the monthly plan is that the premium program provides one episode per week rather than per month. Your funds go to supporting the staff and crew of Water Mountain because everybody has to eat and live. And you're spending money on something good and contributing those funds to the growth of good within the world. Of course, you can cancel at any time. To subscribe to the weekly, you can visit thedaoismforthemodernworld.com and click podcast. Or depending on how you are enjoying this episode, you can click on the link in the episode description. I hope you enjoy your journey. This has been Master Michael Steenrod. Thank you. Remember, enlightenment is a natural state. All you have to do is really get rid of the interference to the path to enlightenment. And you naturally move down the path of enlightenment. It's not an artificial state. It's not where you have to make extraordinary efforts in order to move forward. All you really have to do is stop things, uh, which is actually another interpretation of the doing of not doing. So what are you doing? Well, you're not doing this, you're not doing that, you're not doing this. What that does is it allows the system to operate as it should in in a form much more like enlightenment that moves you much more down the path of enlightenment. And a large part of that is simply having the absolute confidence that that it in fact works that way, uh, that in fact enlightenment is available to each individual. Because you don't really pursue goals that are too far out there. You You sit back and go, well, you know, I really wanted to be a professional trapeze artist. And you make that decision today. Now, if your goal is to become a professional trapeze artist, as soon as I mention that, the thought is, well, you know, I have to do this and this, and uh, I'd really like to be a trapeze artist, but then I have to do this and this. It's not that difficult. It's not as difficult as choosing to become a trapeze artist. Uh, It's more like the difficulty of, uh, I have to get a job at fast food and flip hamburgers. Uh, that's how difficult enlightenment is. And the whole thing is, is you really just have to eliminate the barriers to accomplishing that and, and then uh, actually desire it. Uh, and so should you remove the barriers to you working at McDonald's and you actually desire to work at McDonald's, I bet you can get a job at McDonald's. I think it's in everybody's range to do such a thing. Uh, and same thing for enlightenment. It is a doable state. Any thought that you have that moves it outside of a doable state is moving it into the realm of magic. Uh, and we've all seen what the magic realm does for us. Uh, it doesn't do anything for us at all. Now, does that mean that great, remarkable things never occur in the process of enlightenment? No, it actually means the exact opposite. Great, remarkable things occur all the time. They're just natural. Uh, it's really, magic is used to not describe great remarkable things. It's used to describe things you don't want to actually be responsible for doing. Uh, and uh, where you sit back and go, oh, 
yeah, that's just magic. Uh, I don't have to do that. And uh, only magic people can do that type of thing. Like, well, you know, if you were to actually do this, this, and this, you can, in fact, do that. And uh, But they've already lost you because they don't actually want to do it. Uh, they don't want to be pointed out that it can be done. Uh, they don't want it available to them. Uh, they want it in the realm of not doable things uh, or only doable by magic people and little fairies and dragons. The only thing that a human really should be occupying their time with is personal development. Everything else is a matter of stuff that you have to do. Uh, so you have to chop wood, you have to carry water, and you have to interact with other humans. And that's going to be the case as long as the nursery exists, and as long as there is a division between the world of people pursuing development and the world of people living in the social mind or in the nursery. I don't believe that there will ever be a utopia where those things will be different. Uh, and for me to say that, you have no idea of how much of a huge change in thought that is for me. Because taking me back 15 years ago, I would have thought that the, the Taoists spent a great deal of time, in fact the last half of the Tao Te Ching is a description of the Taoist utopia. Uh, and there are, are probably still remnants of the utopist movements uh, left, and it is still studied. But as time went on, I began to accept something very, very basic, and that is the nursery was created by humans, and the, nurse, and the social mind was created by humans. Uh, and the only way to accept the existence of a utopia is to believe that it was imposed. Uh, and so it is something that can be overcome. It can't be overcome because it's something that people want. Uh, the only thing that can be preserved are pathways out. Uh, and that's it. Um, So, in a nutshell, I think that anybody who walks the pathway out of the nursery instantly begins to find the incredible power of being able to make choices or do those things. But the big thing is, as soon as you start making choices, you become responsible. And that's the difference between being in a nursery. You know, when you're in the nursery, you're not really responsible for anything. Nobody really cares if you throw poo. You know, It's bad. Nobody cares if you run off and your Star Wars figure beats the Star Wars figure over here. It's all pretty much the same. Uh, you are in a responsibility-free zone, and the Tao knows it. Uh, and that's the big thing. If humans want to live in that world, the Tao is not going to intrude, because those are the rules. Now, if you want to step out, and you want to take choice, and you want to make decisions and risk the possibility of failure, or being responsible for failure, and also of being responsible for success, both spiritually and in the other aspects of your life, you get to earn karma. Uh, and the earning of that karma eventually makes it so the Tao interacts with you directly. You suddenly become important. You know, suddenly you're a bus driver. Suddenly you're doing this. Suddenly you're doing that. Uh, suddenly your decisions not only impact you, but they impact people within the nursery itself. And uh, so I think that's what underlies the, the aspects of choice. For most people, a little bit of karma goes a long way, is really what I think. And so if you accumulate a small positive, the things that you want out of life will be easily available to you. I'm not going to sit back and tell you, uh, abandon the pursuit of resources, uh, restrict your relationships down to one person, and fill your mind with thoughts of spiritual development. 
because that doesn't represent human capacity. And it also doesn't represent the reality of human-to-human interaction. Uh, The pursuit of resources is necessary for any organism to exist. No way around it. The trade of organism or of resources is built into the way that humans think. The only way to get something from one person is to either take it from them or trade them for it. If you want to take it from them, you must either steal from them or use force. Uh, that's it. So if you're going to use the alternative of trade, it must be that you have the facility to do trade. And in fact, you do. And those of you who have taken my negotiations uh, seminar uh, know the thought that's behind it. It's a very specific psychological process. Once you trigger it, you can engage in trade. The reason that trigger exists is the alternative is sticking a knife in the person uh, and then just taking their stuff, which you can always do. And those solutions are used all the time. You bargain for it, you steal it, or you kill them. Uh, And then that gives you access to their resources. Uh, So if we ignore that, one of the three is going to dominate. Uh, And and somebody else will come along uh, and not ignore it. Uh, So human potential lies in those areas there. And that's why you won't see a strong commandment or me representing the four ascended school is saying, well, you know, you must absolutely restrict this and then do this over here. There are times where if you are pursuing a particular goal, a restriction of this or a restriction of that is useful to you. The other thing is is that you only have so many hours in the day. Uh, What the three uh, basic divisions of your activity, resource, relationship, and self-improvement tell you is that if you're not doing one of those, you're unhappy. Doesn't matter what you say, doesn't matter anything else that's going on. We all know the stories of people that have become experts at resource pursuit but are incredibly unhappy. Why? Usually they trash two other things to get there. Uh, I can also tell you from the other end, there are plenty of people that invest a tremendous amount in self-development but are incredibly unhappy. Why? Well, they sit around believing they shouldn't be unhappy. Because now they have the great truth of the universe, but they don't have the other two things that you're supposed to work with. Uh, Now, it doesn't mean you have to be completely fascinated with them, but you have to do something. And you've probably known people that have gained great expertise in the mastery or interaction of relationships uh, and still been unhappy because the other two facets or one of the other two facets were completely gone. If we sit back and we classify our actions that way and we're still unhappy, we can sit back and go, I'm unhappy because I'm ignoring this. Uh, And then you can set to patch that up. uh, And it gives you the ability to act. But of course, it also means that if you're doing the choice thing, who's responsible for all of that? You're responsible for all of that. There's nobody else. Uh, If you do something horrible to somebody or some other thing, or if you just make an honest mistake, yet it has tremendously negative consequences, Who's responsible? You are. Uh, There's no way out of it. Uh, And that has to be the divider for moving towards really spiritual development. And spiritual development goes into those three things. Uh, And that's something to always keep in mind. Is that as you acquire karmic power, you also still have the need to pursue the three. You may not spend a huge amount of time in one, but you have to do some of it. You You may not be a gardener, but you have to water your lawn or else it blows away or get rid of your lawn or you know put down gravel or something like that
so I think that's really the difficulty of that and I think that's also uh, the pathway really as time has gone on uh, I used to think that the odds were hugely against humans for moving ahead and in a way they are it was at one time much easier to become enlightened than it is now social mind has grown dramatically in strength uh, many of the things that from a chi standpoint and chi is probably the closest physical manifestation of spiritual development that's available to most people. Is that enough qualifiers? But it's very specific. It, it is the measure that uh, one time, remember, and especially in Asian culture, the whole concept of chi is not even remotely remarkable. It's like talking about air. Uh, it's not something we, that would even remotely be questioned. But it was the thing that was probably the easiest way of, of seeing an example of spiritual development. Because if you're very filled with illusion, it's hard to control chi. Uh, it's hard to move it, it's hard to build it, it's hard to do anything with it at all. Interestingly enough, it's extremely difficult for people to control chi nowadays. It's hard for them to build it, it's hard for them to control it, it's hard for them to move it. Which tells you the social mind has grown much more pervasive than it was at one time. So what was a common activity at one time is now magic. Uh, and perhaps it shouldn't be that way. But the whole thing behind that is that, so at one time I believed uh, that humans had a great burden that they had to overcome. And again, like I said, it is more difficult. You have to make more good decisions, but it's not an impossible series of decisions. You know, insight's available to everybody. And it's available at a degree where you can easily glut yourself on it. Uh, at one time, you had to make kind of an effort to not spiritually progress. Now you don't have to do that. Uh, so a little bit of shift of the odds. But my thinking changed as I began to realize, well, you still get pretty much what your behaviors create. You don't get anything else but that. You might have intrusion from other people's behaviors into your set, but for the most part, you're handed whatever your behaviors provide you the opportunity for. I don't want to say that the Tao is fair because it's not, but a lot of times it is just also fair. It's not just equal, it's fair. Uh, distribution does occur according to those elements there. Spirituality is still not so far off that it is impossible for people and at the same time who has made the social mind stronger humans have made the social mind stronger why I have no clue uh, I can only think it's because they have never seen the alternative we hope you've enjoyed this episode of living the Tao a spiritual podcast remember you can find much more on Taoism at the Taoism for the modern world.com Thank you.